Hello, everybody. Uh, good to see you. I'm glad you're here. It's awesome out right now, isn't it? It's great to be a part of Colorado right now. Um, so, so I kind of have this thing that I do every day. I exercise in the same place at the same time, and there's this this machine that I always have. Um, that it, um, that that in front of the machine there are two televisions um, that are very convenient for me because at home, like, I don't have any time to see TV, so whenever I go exercise, I'm actually there to have two televisions playing at the same time. And so um, the the time that I go exercise is dependent upon the time that these shows are on. I'm always really excited. It's like this this motivation for me to be there every day. And... um, so the, the past five or six days has been hard to exercise because one of the televisions has been broken. And so I can't like, like tell my family I'm not going to go exercise tonight because the TV is broken, but that's how I feel in my soul. Um, so, but, but there I am, I'm you know, on the exercise machine doing my thing, and there isn't you know, any TV to watch. And so because of that, I am like fully present showing the hatred of exercising. And so I can't tune out. And so as I'm there, there exercising and I'm sweating, I've had plenty of time to think. And whenever I have plenty of time to think, I often think about the things that, that I'm just terrible at. You know, I'm human, right? And so I start going through my head of all the things that I'm, I'm really b- b- bad at. And there's tons of them. And, and, but, you know, then this feeling of what am I prepared to do? What do I have to offer people? What am I good at? And then this story um, came back to me of this thing that happened in high school. It was the ultimate feeling of being just unprepared and and the things that that I had weren't good enough. In my freshman year of high school, our football team, we we got the opportunity to go to the State playoffs for the first time since the conception of our school, and and so it was like this really big thing. We're going to the state playoffs, and 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 I am the the uh, the backup fullback. So as a freshman, so I'm I'm probably not going to play, and that's super awesome because I'm horrible, and so but I'm really excited to go, and so so it's like this big. St- st- Stadium and things are are huge. They're so much bigger than they normally are, and the the energy and the crowd and all this stuff. And on the first play of the game, the fullback broke his shoulder. I wasn't paying attention to the play, so I didn't even know it happened. And so 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 then I hear a coach, you know, Tenza, get in. And the first thing I did, I remember this as clear as day. So I backed up into my team. Like, I backed up. And then people started pulling at my jersey, like, you're in, you're in, go. And and I swatted, like, hands away, and I started backing up, backing up. And then my coach came down the line trying to find me, and he's pushing people away, and the the time clock's about to go. And and he's like, and, and I remember just very simply 
Like she's shaking my head like this, like this. But it was very slight because it's I didn't want the other people on my team to see that I was saying, no, I don't want to play football. <laughs> but that's the end of the story. I was in a... But, but I was thinking about this, and then I was thinking about, like, just the, the, that ultimate feeling of I don't have a lot to offer here in this situation. And how I felt like that during, during d- different times of my life, you know? How many of us, whenever, whenever our son or daughter was born, we thought, I don't have a lot to offer here. Or I'm terrified. You know, what if what I have is not enough? You know, how many of us, when our sons and daughters turned you know, into teenagers, we thought, what I have to offer is not a lot here, and I don't feel prepared for this situation. Or, or maybe it's a job, or after you got married, you thought, whoa, this is a lot different than I thought. What I have is not a lot to offer, and I don't know if this is enough. Or, or maybe you've gotten diagnosed with a terminal illness, and, and you're coming to space of like, what is going on? You know, what do I have to offer now in this situation? Why am I even here? You know, there are so many situations that we find ourselves in, and just the, the everyday reality of things that, that we often feel very insecure and as if we don't have what it takes to play the game. But the truth is, is you are here to play the game. Like you are padded up, helmets on, you know the playbook, you're here to do it. So what does it take for us to have the confidence to step out onto the field and do what you were built to do? What does it take? So our church is kind of in this sermon series that has been so fun. It's uh, been centered around the gospel of Luke. And it's just going text by text, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and having the text just teach us the things that it is saying, what what it is talking about. And it has been a humbling experience. Like, so if you actually think about the things you are doing, whenever you open the Bible and you study the Bible, you are doing something that thousands of people in the same moment are doing at the same time, you know? And it's really helpful. And then if you think about all time, like, like the millions and millions of people who have opened the text and ask God, what are you saying? Like, it is a really humbling experience. And I, um, in terms of today's text, have been super humbled um, because the text and the story of today is, is one of two st- 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 stories that are talked about that about in all of the Gospels. There are only two stories that are in all of the Gospels. And it's the story that that we're going to talk about tonight. And then the other story is the story of the crucifixion. So the story we're talking about tonight is almost parallel to the importance of the crucifixion. So you would have to say, that's a pretty darn important passage. 
And it's interesting because of how we often approach this text. It isn't really that important. It's a cool thing to talk about, but let's just scoot on. Tonight's story is about the feeding of the 5,000. It is one of two stories that is in all four of the Gospels. Why? I mean, it's cool and everything, but... Compared to the crucifixion. And so tonight, our goal, my goal, my heartbeat is that we're able to humble ourselves and simply to ask God, teach us, show us what you're saying here. Teach us the things that, that you have for us to inspire our hearts and to, and, and to show us who we are. So I want to actually really open us up and prayer and then get into it, okay? So please pray with me. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you for how you speak to us. God, we thank you for who you are and the things you have done that you invite us into. Show us the things you are doing here. In Christ we pray. All right, if you have your Bibles, will you please turn them to the chapter 9 of the Gospel of Luke, verse 10. And so this is a story of the feeding of the 5,000. The feeding of the 5,000 comes following uh, the sending out of the 12 disciples, which comes following uh, the woman who is Bleeding for 12 years that comes following the girl who was dead for 12 years. So we had the girl that was dead, was brought back to life. We have the woman who was bleeding, she was healed. Then we have the sending out of the 12, and then we have the feeding of the 5,000. Okay, so that's the order things have happened in. So as a congregation, here, here you go. The disciples returned. They told Jesus what they had done, and he took with them. They went off to the, by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed Jesus. He welcomed them and spoke to them about God's kingdom. He also healed those who needed to be healed. So the context here is that the disciples, the 12, they were sent out to proclaim the gospel and healed people. Um, the whole passage before this, it is brilliant because these 12 people who have been taught by Christ, they go out and proclaim the gospel and they actually heal people because God gave them the power and the authority and the ability to do so. And so so chapter 9, verse 10 begins by saying that the 12 came back, right? The 12 came back and they found Jesus and they are telling him the stories of the things that had happened. Okay, first of all, it's important because you had 12 people out there healing people. You had 12 people out there casting out demons. You had 12 people out there preaching the gospel, possibly for the first time in history on our planet, right? And they're coming back because God showed up and people were healed. And they came back and they started telling the story of all the things that had happened. So if you are the 12 disciples, you are tired, right? Because for the first time you were used, right? And you were excited because you got to participate in heaven crashing into earth. And then 
So each prof person probably had hours of stories to tell and they're fighting over who gets to tell and you know blah, 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 and they're going for it right there are lots of stories happening and people overhear it and people hear the things that have happened and people hear that Jesus and the disciples are in town and because they had been sent out and done a ton of things a ton of people had been affected by them Right? And so people are talking about the gospel. People are talking about healings. And people are talking about who is Jesus and who are the disciples. And so when they're there, all these people begin to gather. But the place that they are gathering, it isn't... it isn't a common place. They're, they're outside of town. The disciples in Christ, they went outside of town to actually hide, to have some time alone. And here are all of these people, right? The disciples were successful. That's important to think about. Like they had gone out, they healed, they proclaimed, they taught the gospel, cast out demons, and they come back and their ministry has expanded. They were successful and people heard about Jesus and he's here and yes, and people are traveling outside of town to be healed by Jesus. It says that Jesus healed all of those who had to be healed. How many people out of 5,000 people had to be healed? I don't know, probably all of them, right? Yeah, you said all of them. Yes, I mean, for me, I don't have to have anything to be, uh, no, I have a speech impediment. That'd be awesome. But I'd be like, I would say, I don't know. I have, my elbow hurts, you know, like just touch me. You know, I don't know. But 5,000 people, and you think about the whole day long, they're teaching and healing and doing stuff, right? And then the passage continues. Here it goes. Help me out. Late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him. They said, send the crowd away. They can go to the nearby countryside. There they can find food and a place to stay. There is nothing here. Jesus replied, you give them something to eat. Love it. Right? Okay, so, so it would be like, here we are at church, and it's fun, you know, it's cool, I get to sing songs, we get to hear about the Bible, and we're going to discuss things, but then it comes to a point that you're like, it's time to come home, and then the whole congregation is like, no, we're not going home, we want to sing all day long, and I'm like, I'm really tired, you guys need to go home, and you're like, no, we're going to stay, we want to experience the presence of God forever, right, that's what's happening here, and the disciples, are coming to Jesus and saying, I think it's time for the party to be over. People have been healed. People have been taught. Send them home because they're going to be hungry and they can't spend the night here. You all have to go home. You know, it's that type of thing. And then Jesus tells them, you feed them, right? That's it. It's just this very simple thing. You feed them. But the disciples had just came to a spot that they said, you need to send them home. You know, we brought them, that they got what they asked for. You need to send them home. The party's over. We have done what we were supposed to do. The thing about this passage that I totally enjoy is the fact that it doesn't say something. It doesn't say all the things that had happened. 
because they're not important kind of in the context to the purpose of this passage. So for instance, you have to think, 5,000 people are going for healing, for being taught by Jesus himself. God himself taught for hours and hours and hours, and thousands of people are healed. The text doesn't say anything about the details of who got healed, how they got healed, why they got healed. It doesn't say a thing about what Jesus taught. It's not important. And whenever the disciples say it's time for them to go home, they think that all the important things have happened. You know, I mean, come on, just play with me for a second. They're like, it's over. All the important things have happened. But but in terms of God's kingdom and in terms of the things that Jesus is teaching, it hadn't been about those healings and it hadn't been about those, those things that are being taught. The important part of this passage is the thing that is about to happen when he says, you feed them. Because there is a change, a change or shift in the economy of the gospel here. Because, because there's that idea as, you know, like, so if I'm someone who goes to church and I want someone to hear the gospel or I want them to change, change who they are, and then I will invite them to come to church and I'll say, here they are, I've brought them here. Take care of them. Or, or there's always somebody else who's the expert who has more than what I have. And that's what the disciples have done here. They've brought people towards Jesus and that's phenomenal. And they've brought people, you know, and then some of the other gospels, it says that the disciples say, Jesus, you have to do something. But he says, no, you do something. There's a shift that takes place here. You know, and so in this text, it's the disciples tell Jesus, send them away. Tell them to go home. We don't have what it takes to feed them. We don't have what it takes to give them what they need. And then he says, you feed them. How they respond is very interesting. Here it is. Help me out. The disciples answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. We would have to go and buy food for all of this crowd. How about 5,000, wait, about 5,000 men were there. But Jesus said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so and everyone sat down. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven, gave thanks. He broke them into pieces. He then gave them to his disciples to give to the people. All of them ate and were satisfied. The disciples picked up the 12 baskets of leftover pieces. So the thing that happens is there's this huge crowd that gathers because the gospel was being preached. They were healed and the the gospel was taught to them. And then it was in the time of the day that they were set to go home and the disciples said, send them away. Tell them the party's over, the show is done. And this is a common thing. Like, let's just pull the plug, hit the pause button. There will be a day tomorrow to start up again. And Jesus sees this as an opportunity. He says, 
you feed them. The response of the disciples is simply, but all we have are these five loaves of bread and two fish. The disciples at this time don't know that the currency of God's economy is bread. And so when they say, all we have are five loaves of bread and two fish, and at that point, Jesus takes the bread, breaks it, blesses it. It's like he always blesses the bread. This happens all over the ministry of Jesus. And then he says, pass this out. And so as the, the text goes, they pass out the bread and they pass out the fish. And there were 12 baskets of food left over after feeding 5,000 people. At this point, you got to ask yourself, what are the disciples thinking? Because for me, in that situation, whenever Jesus says, you feed them, I'd be like, okay, Jesus, ha ha. You know, like, just put yourself in that situation. That, it just doesn't make sense. It's like, okay, here he goes again. He's trying to prove a point that I don't understand, but I'll play along. You know, if I'm the disciples, there are so many things going through my head. Okay, here you go. I will give you what I have. I will give you the gifts I have, the food that I have, but this is all I have, and it's only 1,800 calories. You know, like this will not do it for 5,000 people. And he blesses it. What were the disciples thinking? Have you ever had like a biblical, a biblical story that you obsess about that you've thought, man, if only I could have seen blah, 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 you know? Like, man, if only I could have seen Abraham you know, and his caravan, you know, coming out of Babylon into Egypt, or, or what if, you know, we could we see the fire of the Holy Spirit and on the day of Pentecost, or what would have been like to see Samson, you know, like, like tearing down the temple, or, or, I mean, I have like tons of stories that's like, man, like the, the times of the Bible, like these vibrant, like, the potency of God just seems to be seeping out of the pages, you know, and we can go page after page after page, like, man, if only I could have seen that, like the flood, if I'm in the boat, you know, and, uh, you know, and to hear the apostle Paul in the Areopagus giving his sermon to the Athenians, like, oh, you know, like, like those things that you're like, man, if I could get in a time machine and, and experience that. I'm sure we all have those, and we can just go off, man, what if, what if, what if, you know? The thing is, is that the people in the New Testament had those too, right? The people in the New Testament, the, the apostles, the disciples, they had biblical heroes too. And they had biblical stories too, that they had grown up being taught as children. The whole Old Testament precedes the New Testament, right? Let's just, it's common sense, right? All it comes before the new. And so the 12 disciples and all the 5,000 people in this crowd, they are Jewish, right? And so they had all been brought up being told the stories of the fathers of the Judaic faith, you know, Abraham, 
Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They'd heard the stories of the Exodus. They'd heard the stories of the great prophets, you know, you know, Jeremiah, Moses, you know, Elijah, Elisha. I mean, they're, and they know these things by heart because this is like the story within their soul that they, they keep telling each other to keep them moving forward, right? And, and by the time you have the 12 disciples, these are ancient stories. And, and the prophets, they're already called the ancient prophets to the disciples. This is important. As they have heroes and they know the ancient stories of the prophets. So whenever we go into this idea of what is happening, what is the environment or the mood of the situation when the feeding of the 5,000 happens, this, this verse from 2 Kings could help us out. So here's this verse from 2 Kings. It's about a story of a prophet that I'm excited for us to say together. Here we go. He brought the man of God 20 loaves of barley bread. They had been baked from the first grain that had ripened. The man also brought some heads of new grain. Give this food for the people to eat, Elisha said. How can I put this in front of a hundred men? His servant asked, but Elijah answered, give it to the people to eat. Do it because the Lord says they will eat and have some left over. Then the servant put the food in front of them. They ate it and they had some left over. It happened just as the Lord had said it would. So there's this story in 2 Kings about this great prophet. There's this, this the army of a hundred people who did not have any food to eat and they are dying. And they had tw 20 loaves of bread that the prophet took he held it up, he blessed it. And he said, pass this out to the hundred men. And his servants are like, how can this feed a hundred men? And he's like, do it because God said to. And they passed out these 20 loaves of bread to a hundred men and there was some left over. In the story of Luke, there are so many parallels and they share the same vocabulary. And it is really brilliant because whenever you think about the mood and the atmosphere of what are the disciples thinking? What are the 5,000 you know, people thinking? Is the truth of the Bible is happening. You see, they had these stories that they would always bring up and they would dig up and they'd fantasize about happening. What if God was here? The thing that was happening in this moment is it is a mimicking and blowing up this miracle of one of the ancient prophets, but making it so much bigger. It would be like if you and I experienced one of the New Testament miracles here. So if I broke bread and passed it out to you and it fed all of you, even though there's only you know, a handful of you here, you all would say, it's like the loaves and the fishes, right? It isn't going to be like, oh, I've never seen this before. I've never, what is God doing here? It's like, oh my gosh, it's just like when... And that's what's happening. Everyone is freaking out because what has been is how God showed up then is how God's showing up now. What if God is here, how he was back then? The potency of the pages of the Torah is here. It's this right now expression of yes. 
Furthermore, it comes from this idea that the disciples are participating in this ancient, um, <laughs> what is it? What's the word? Right? Um, they are participating in this pattern of God that he is generous, that he takes simple things, small things like bread and fish, and he blesses it and it multiplies. There is a very simple idea here of the generosity of God. When God takes what you have, your bread and sardines, it feeds 5,000 people, and there are 12 baskets left over. It's important, the 12 baskets left over. Here's why it's important. If you are a Jewish person, you are going to focus on everything that's inscribed on the text. And Luke makes it a point to say there are 12 baskets left over. How many? 12. And everything in the Bible is important. 12 is important. It is the number of infinity. It is the number of the the power and the authority of heaven given to earth. And it is the number of wholeness and completeness. In Luke, one of the major themes of the gospel of Luke is the power and authority of heaven crashing into earth. It is the idea of what has been broken will be made whole. It is this idea that you, when you bring yourself to the foot of Jesus, has everything it takes to do what you are meant to do. Remember, the, 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 the context of this story happens after a 12-year-old girl was dead and brought back to life. Before a woman who was bleeding and unclean for 12 years, before the sending out of the 12 disciples who had 12 baskets left over, this whole chapter 9 of Luke is like screaming at you, you have more than enough. There's a lot of us who say, really, what do I have more than enough of, let's just keep going on this theme of the study of numbers. Everything's important in the Bible. Five loaves, two fish. God's economy speaks the vocabulary of bread. And there are five loaves of bread. And this is poetry, but this is Jewish. And when you see the number five anywhere in the Bible, it is the number of God's grace. The, the sacrifices in the Old Testament, they all come in quantities of five. And this is a idea of God's grace, the undeserved. And there are five loaves of bread. And bread is always symbolic of the body of Christ, his body you are a part of his body. We have bread. It is broken and it's given. There's five of them. This is God's grace. And the number two, it is the, the number of those who have seen. It is the testimony. It is the witness. And, and so, so, so you have this, this idea of five and the two, the bread and the fish, the testimony and the grace. And in this idea that there is 12 baskets left over, it's you have more than enough grace to go around. You have, you have seen more than enough to feed everyone who would ever come. And this idea that there's 12 baskets means that there is an infinite number amount. Like, like it fed 5,000, but it could feed 5,000. 
5,000 more and 5,000 more because there will always be 12 left over at the end. It has been given out, it has fed, and it has not been depleted at all. What if the thing you have that you are horrible at, the five things of bread and your sardines that you have within your marriage, that you have at school, that you, that, that you have as far as being a parent, you know, I already have these sardines. I really stink at parenting. You know, what if Jesus could do with our parenting what he did with those five loaves and two fish? What if he could do what he did with those disciples in our marriages or in our heart to do a Bible study? For those of you who say, I can't do a Bible study. I only read half the Bible. I don't know it all. You know, it's just like, what if the, what you have, who you are, what you have to offer? What if, if Jesus holds it up, blesses it and says, thank you for for this gift and you give it and there are 12 baskets of whatever that is left over because there's more to give. What does it take for our common story to become the uncommon story? Because we all have this idea of feeling super insecure, but coming into and bringing something into the presence of Christ is the uncommon story, but it should be common because when you bring whatever into the presence of Christ, it begins to come alive. It begins to work. It begins to breathe. It begins to do what it was born to do. What were you born to do? My football coach had to come in front of me, grab my face mask, and he's looking at me. And I am crying at this time because I'm like, oh God, please just have someone else do it. He grabs my face back and he says, this is your opportunity. Do you want to go in or not? And he said, you can do it. Like he became down to my level. Like instead of being the, you know, you can do it. And his simple, you can do it. I was like, I can do it. I am on the treadmill on Friday night. I am hating the TV that is broken because I've missed five episodes of my show. And this place is packed out. Like there's everyone who's doing their thing and we're all doing it. And we're all thinking the same thing because we're all there during that two hour time slot, probably for that show. And we've been coming every day and this is broken. And then I saw that the power light on the TV is on. And then I started to think, I'm just curious if the TV's off and no one has just turned it on for five days. And the, the, the whole time I started thinking about the paradox of what if we all have been hating ourselves because the TV is broken, but it's not actually broken. It's just no one took the time to turn it on. So I get done after my half an hour, get down, grab the remote control in front of everybody. And I point it and I hit the power button and it turns on. And then I turn around to everybody and like, like that, right? I've never talked to anyone in the room, but we all had solidarity in that moment of like, who knew? <laughs> we could have just turned it on, but we thought it was broken. <laughs> think about that one. <laughs> oh Lord, we thank you for who you are and the good gifts you give. 
God, we thank you for, you for the testimonies and the stories that you give us to bear and to own. God, we thank you for the ability to come in front of you and say, teach us. God, there are things that we all have um, that we are embarrassed to offer you. Um, God, there are things that we are all afraid to step out and do, but there's a fire in our heart that says do it, but we never do. Oh God, hold our face and just say softly, you can do it. God, give us the courage to give what we have, the small things, the broken things, the scary things to you and say, can this feed the people? God bless it. Lord, we thank you that we get to participate that the truth of the Bible is a happening and that you invite us to be a part of your story. But God, heal us. Heal the things in us that make us afraid to offer you ourselves. For some of us, we're not able to think of what those things are. And so God, I'm gonna ask you to bring those things up. Speak to us clearly. God, show us the things that you're asking us to offer, to give. And give us a dream and vision of what it would be like if you blessed them. Paint different pictures of our families, our marriages, our jobs. Paint different pictures of our city. Oh Lord, if you blessed it, Paint different pictures of our hearts, of our story, if you blessed it. What if you blessed what we had? God, we thank you that you are here and that you invite us into a space of curiosity. Open our eyes, show us the things you are doing.